Hi guys, welcome in. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing a case that was mentioned on CNA. The title is What It Takes to Retire Early in Singapore. And the person being interviewed is Mr. Go Eng Yu. Now, Mr. Go has actually written many articles on Straits Times before in his career. And he's actually written three investment books before. So, big congratulations because when I wrote my book, I realized it takes a lot of effort to write a single book, at least 200 hours, maybe let's put a ballpark figure. So just in case you are keen to write a book for yourself, it takes that level of commitment and above. So for Mr. Go, he's written three books. So big kudos to that. I think another famous Street Times person has also written book before Miss Lorna Tan. Uh, so the little tip that we can all share, or I think the, the similar journey that we all have is that when you start writing articles or creating content, you know, last time there used to be only newspaper, but right now you can do videos like what I'm doing for myself right now here, or you can start writing blog articles. Once you come up with a lot of small pieces of content, it's actually very possible to write your own book. So if you're thinking that could be a future project or side hustle, the little, little steps you can take today is to start writing small content so that you can amalgamate them. Make sense? So to write out one piece, 200 pages book in one go is not easy. Uh, but rather you break it down to small steps in future you can reuse and reposition certain points and you can actually deliver a very effective book and that's one of the simplest ways to do it now mr go in you is now retired in his 50s previously he was a full-time journalist correct but right now he's writing only as a freelancer so i'll classify him as a semi-retired something that i also envisioned myself to be somewhere in my later years so there's a lot to learn from him and for anyone that might be thinking, once you get into retirement phase, do also keep yourself active. Do also pursue things that you are still good at and you can still contribute to society. And that actually is the gist of semi-retirement. You can still make some small pocket money, but the joy of helping people or sharing a message is still priceless. It gives you a lot of purpose in life. So don't go retire and sit on the beach because that is not fire, which is a key component of today's discussion also. Now, in today's podcast, I'll be narrating some parts that were mentioned in that whole discussion. I'll leave links below just in case you're curious about it also. But I'll pull out the key parts and give my personal interpretation, what I agree, what I disagree, as well as to add even more value to some of the points that Mr. Go Eng Yu has actually mentioned. So without further ado, let's start with what he's mentioned. Financial independence is not about being rich, but being able to attain desired standards of living. Money is important to a point, but it's only a means to an end. Some of the happiest people that he's met before are people who are ordinary. And what was his journey is that he was able to take care of his own family, earn enough, and be with them. So these are key things that he felt very satisfied with. He's also mentioned a term, keeping up with the Jonases, something we've also covered before on this channel. And he shared a story of a friend of his that changes his car every three years. Right now, Inyu drives a 12-year-old Toyota Camry and he's not worried about people looking down on him. Now maybe let me pause it there. Uh, and you, nobody is looking down on you even if you drive a 12-year-old Toyota Camry because it's a Toyota Camry still. <laughs> but seriously, uh, jokes aside, it's true also that uh, in the whole finance bucket, car expenses are usually one of the bigger ones. If you change cars every three years, you're going to burn a lot of money because a car's depreciation is not straight line, which means a car worth 100000 10 years, right? It does not lose $10,000 every year, do not. The depreciation is on a curve. First few years, you lose a lot because new car. So the first few years, depreciation is very steep. 
if you change new car every three year, you could be easily losing 15, 20, 25,000 each year. One best way to keep your expenses low is to use an old car or don't even use a car. I also agree in what he's mentioned just now, that earning enough and spending enough time with family is very important. That also is something I believe in. But there's also no right answer to things because you may be listening to this whole discussion being a head of household also with small children or or you may be single and looking to build your own financial independence journey. Everybody's position is different and everybody's belief is also different. I just have to be a bit more like in you and agree that financial independence is not about being rich but being able to attain the desired standard of living which means once we can quantify what we are looking for once we get there we need to be sufficiently satisfied. I was brought up in a tightly knit family. Family is important. Spending time with kids is important. And when I bring them out, sometimes I've met some of you before in malls. So if that, I'll do a quick shout out to my Instagram. I have a say hi to Josh campaign. So if you see me in the malls, do take a picture of me also. On the other hand, if I imagine myself to be right now still single without kids, and if my family background is a bit different, maybe my perspective of what is important might also be different. Maybe I might be very motivated to build a big career and there's also no right or wrong to things it's what we feel happy achieving in a lot of ways but the usual complaints i hear on the ground are when people need to for example fly overseas for work especially when they have young children it takes time away from the family it sucks going there it's tiring you still have to do your meetings over there and coming back you still have to do a presentation or catch up with some of the work that's still left behind when you were away overseas so what I hear a lot on the ground is a lot of dissatisfaction when people go on work trips and that directly impacts to chasing career progression because if you are unwilling to fly, maybe someone else who is more able to take on more responsibilities will be promoted. Then the other thing that I hear quite often is also on spouses complaining. One half wants to work a lot, has a lot of ambition, the other half prioritizes family a bit more. So if there's no congruence between couples, there can be certain conflict. Who's priority? So if you're listening to here and you have some of these potential problems, I think the best solution is to always have a lot of communication. Find a way to compromise because staying together is tough. A marriage between a couple needs ongoing work and ongoing sacrifices. If you agree with that, help me smash the like button and let's get back on to what Ingyu has actually shared. His next went to mention, great possession does not mean great wealth, but few ones. In his younger days, he used to hear this five C's quite a lot car credit card condo i used to hear that quite a lot also i think on tv it was even mentioned before and when i was much younger i did not quite understand the attraction or the pressures of materialism so now being an adult maybe not as old as in you uh, i kind of understand previously there's this five c's term it's not mentioned but materialism in society still exists he's also shared that he, when he looks at investment he looks without the lens of instant gratification he has a lawyer friend who has actually sold his house in the 2020 COVID market crash, did not buy a house subsequently and is still currently on the market looking for a home. And of course, prices have since increased significantly. Now, maybe i pause a bit on that. Now, selling a house is a big bet. I so happen to be in this position now because I'm thinking of selling away my HDB flat. My HDB flat is now my investment property because I'm staying in a condo right now. But selling an investment property is a business decision it's actually not that difficult. But if you're selling home, there is a lot of disruption where you need staying, etc, etc. So I don't like that idea of selling home just because there is certain fear that prices will correct down. I think that's an unnecessary big bet to make and I would not suggest anyone to do so. 
irregardless of where you believe property prices will go in the next one to two years. In you, as Nick's mentioned, on how he's managed money. He actually started his investment journey very early on. I too also. I used to look at teletax prices for my parents. So for Ingyu, he's actually bought his first share, which was SBS Transit. And back then, to get a concessionary pass, he had to buy 1,000 shares, which was the minimum. And that cost a few thousand dollars. So his story is he actually borrowed from family members so that he can actually make that investment and get that concessionary pass. That 1,000 shares of SBS has since converted to 16,000 of ComfortDelgo shares and 1,000 of SBS shares. In total, that few thousand dollars investment is worth at least $30,000 in today's value. He's not sold any of the shares and his philosophy is to not go into investments solely to make money. Observe other people's habits and keep an investment for a long term. Maybe I'd like to pause it there also and add my further insights to things. And as usual, uh, maybe I'll say what I like before I say what I don't like so that it's a balanced point of view. And let me throw in certain value because you definitely also need to start investing to build your own wealth for your financial freedom journey. Firstly, I agree on keeping any investments long enough. You know, when we make investments into shares, what I teach on my investment course is to look for multi-baggers. $1 investment can become $3 or even $4 or $5. Multi-bagger investments. And that requires time. It's not like crypto investing whereby it shoots up 10 times in a week or two and then comes crashing down. That is speculation. That is hype. That is greatest fool's theory. Good investments need time to deliver you returns. And sometimes they just happen to stagnate for years after you have bought. He's mentioned to observe people's habits. And I'd like to slightly improve on that portion. I'd like to say, observe what the world needs. That is what I also teach to my son. Because, you know, I previously did a video on Stephen Lim's decision to buy Singpost shares. Nothing against Singpost, but there are big serious questions about where its business operations are building towards. At least for me, I don't see the optimism there yet. So when we make investments, we also need to think, where is the world moving towards? If moving forward, the world is no longer using this service, for example, postal service, then naturally the business would start to decay and naturally that will reflect in the share price. So look again at where the world is moving towards and forecast a change in habit because if you are able to see future habits, that's when you are possibly ahead of the markets. I've also done in a private member's channel before on Seng Xiong. You know Seng Xiong, they are having many supermarkets in Singapore and operations are doing well, definitely. They've been growing their stores also. But when I gave a further two cents worth in my private members channel, I also did suggest that as of right now, they, are, they seem to be fully optimized. And in my eyes, I can't see a possible kicker yet that can help the share price grow to a multi-bagger. So there are things also to look in on investment fronts and there are things you need to know to become a good investor. Then I'd like to also critique on the SBS shares he's bought. SBS shares 20, 30 years ago is good He's invested a few thousand dollars and the good part is he's kept it and that has become a 10-bagger, a 10x. But my question also, why only invested a few thousand dollars? Not selling is good, but not adding more there was also a missed opportunity. You know, good investing has a few principles, one of which is you cannot be overly diversified, which means you buy $3,000 here and $3,000 there and you have $100,000 That doesn't really make sense. That doesn't really make a portfolio that you'll be incentivized to track. If you have identified a good company and they have been growing, the next crucial step is to regularly increase your position in that good company. It doesn't mean that last time they were $3 and now they are $4, they're expensive. Because again, price is what you pay on the market, but value is what you get. So if the company is way bigger already, then the value of the company has grown also. 
So if you have identified a good company, the next thing that gets your investment to a different level is to know how to build up a significant position. And as always, if you're unsure, you're probably better served looking for a diversified approach, buying funds or ETFs that does not require to track operational performances. He also mentioned next that investments are very frequently right under your noses. Some people blame parents, some people blame luck, and it's very important to have a positive attitude. Now, when I heard about that, something came to my mind. You know, nowadays we see a particular advertisement that teaches on luck. I really dislike it because investing is not lottery. You bought this share because your friend bought this share and you tried to make rich and didn't get rich. It has nothing to do with luck because approaching investing is not making lottery decisions. Good investment is about making the right assumptions, making the right projections, handling your emotions, especially when you get it wrong, and having the right patience, which is what Eng Yu has also done, holding a particular share for a very long period of time. So investing again is not lottery buying. What I agree also with Eng Yu is that you need to have a positive attitude. Right now, the markets are bleak. It's a bear market. So what you may see in the coming weeks ahead is more bad news, inflation rearing ugly head, Fed losing control, etc, etc. These are market noises. But as an investor to do well, you need to stay optimistic and filter away this because in some point, 2023, 2024, things will definitely look a lot different. Now let's move back to some further things that Ingyu has actually shared. Financial planners advocate to not spend and invest your money stinge on this and stinge on that and right now there's this fire movement that is getting a lot of popularity fire stands for financial independence retire early he believes that people in their 20s who are saving as much as possible could be demoralized and feel restrictive and that's not an approach that he likes he advocates that if you need to hang out with your friends just go to the starbucks let's touch on the point on financial planners saying don't spend your money and invest it actually that's not bad advice in any case but the problem i'm seeing is in my industry too many of them are driving big sports car and in my opinion when you drive big sports car you're looking flashy you're spending money on instant gratification and on your image it disqualifies you automatically from telling people and customers about being prudent and not spending money so i wish that more financial planners would actually say don't spend your money invest it put the monies for the future instead of spending on things at this moment, let me defend FIRE a bit also and give a little bit more perspective because this also extends to financial minimalism in a lot of ways. I think there's a bit of misconception. Maybe from what I infer from Yu's tone, that is also a little bit present in his understanding of things. Prudence and being stingy are two different things. So let's define it because FIRE requires you to be prudent. So what exactly is prudent and what exactly is stingy? Let's draw the lines for it. The first is that do you feel unhappy when you don't spend that money for it? For example, you want coffee and because you want to save, you feel miserable, you cannot work, you hate your day, you don't buy the coffee just to save that money, that is stingy. You're making yourself unhappy. So we'll be very clear about it. But prudence actually means if you want a coffee, you can choose a simpler alternative. Instead of Starbucks, you can just go to Yakun. That is being prudent and you still get that satisfaction. The second is that do you make people around you unhappy? For example, if your date wants to go for a movie, but you don't want to spend that $12 on a movie ticket, or you say, can you pay for me? Or you say, can you pay for me? And you make the whole outing such an unpleasant one. Then that is being stingy because you have made people around you unhappy. Prudence is not about that. Prudence, in fact, is very similar to what you has mentioned right at the start of this whole podcast. Great possession does not mean great wealth but few ones. 
So if you do not want an expensive cup of coffee, you can settle for something simple and still get your joy from it that is being prudent and that allows you to achieve financial independence retire early much easier. Hopefully that has finally clarified the difference between stinginess and prudence. You can be a financial minimalist, but as long as you take care of yourself, take care of people around you, it's perfectly okay to cut down on how much you spend. So again, if you agree, help me smash the like button and press on subscribe, especially if you like content like this that discusses on financial independence and on financial topics that impact each and every Singaporean's lives. I'd like to end off with a few things on what I agree with Eng Yu because I think he's shared very generously on what are his thoughts. Obviously, I've disagreed with some points, but I also respect that he has walked the journey and he's willing to take a stand on what he believes in. A big point I agree with him is that internet provides us all a lot of opportunities. You can do business there, you can do a lot of learning there. In YouTube, hopefully I've shared and taught you certain things that will help you in your financial journey. Life will definitely be better many years down and for the next generation. So as always, stay optimistic. There'll be dark periods in everybody's lives and there'll be dark periods even on the financial markets. And the best way to approach it is to always stay optimistic. Without sound for this podcast, hopefully you've enjoyed it. Thank you for listening in and I'll see you in the next one. Take care and goodbye. <laughs>